This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Log, July 22nd. This evening, we went into town to go to the opening of La Verdad, a Spanish bar restaurant partly owned by Victor's old rowing teammate, Felipe, a.k.a. Fel Carlos. This was my first time out of the house since the tree incident. I kind of loved Fel the second I met him. He's handsome, but not so handsome that you roll your eyes when he tells you you're beautiful. He's generous and kind. He made me feel like my high school Spanish would get me through dinner with the King of Spain, who I found out later was a not-so-distant relative of his. Mm. I'm hoping to see more of you two when I return to Manhattan early next year. He had brought us to the kitchen for some alone time. Most definitely, you're going to get tired of seeing Jenna and me. I like that Victor was confident enough to mention us being together that far in the future. The crowd was starting to swell in the restaurant, and Fell had to return to the front. He asked us to come with him. Victor wanted to go. I was secretly worried about seeing the influencer coming in the crowd. <sighs> I- I don't feel like having my picture up on other people's Instagrams. Oh, this crowd doesn't do that. I have a social media event planned for next week. I have to bring in different lighting to accommodate them. Oi. How can you have a good party with a snap snap in your face all the time? My friends are from the old families. They have been places. They don't need to prove it to the rest of the world. He kissed me on both cheeks and hooked his arm around Victor's, like a human high tide pulling Victor out into the sea of people in the main dining room. I went out to the back patio where there were a few smokers chatting in pairs. I was feeling a buzz from the scotch we'd been drinking. Life felt so easy. Looking up at the stars, I whispered a wish. Starlight, star bright. Shiny stars twinkling tonight. I wish you would, I wish you might. Give this gift I ask tonight. I wish to have my own magical powers and I wish I were as powerful as the influencer coven. And I really wish I could be as comfortable in my skin as fell and everybody in this damn town. Please make me as good at being a human being as I am at writing. I uh, don't think you're supposed to make more than one wish on a star. Realm presents If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, Episode 6. I 
turned around and it was a woman with wavy light brown hair down to her waist. She had a pretty face with apple cheeks that she highlighted with a dusty rose blush. When she lit her cigarette, the match put a glow on her face. I couldn't tell if her skin was deeply tanned or naturally light brown. She introduced herself as divine and I didn't have any doubts that she was. She hung her cigarette in one of the corners of her mouth and pulled an ornately wrought metal handle with a magnifying glass attached to the end out of her pocket. She held out her left hand. Fell asked me to come and read palms. Might as well start with you. She studied my palm under the glass. When she finished, I felt like I was at the doctor's office waiting to find out if I had cancer or something. I relaxed when she finished taking a couple puffs from her cigarette and smiled. Oh, you've got a lot of mystic crosses between your head and hotlines. Most are faint, but a couple of prominent ones. If you haven't been to my metaphysical store at the 13th house, you should go. You'd feel right at home. <laughs> nice plug for her store. It was subtle enough that I didn't feel like I needed to take a shower after. I told her I have been and that it's very nice. She didn't seem to care and went on with her reading. It looks like you've had many lifetimes and that you have karmic ties here in Bedford. <gasps> I went for an astrogeography reading just before I came here and the lady told me that this area is one of my power centers. This didn't surprise Divine. She said I had a mystic's hand. You see a secret world. Things that other people would dismiss as the trick of any eye. You can see it in detail. You should think about taking a mediumship course or getting a book on it. That way, you'll learn how to interact with the spirits you meet. Colonial Jenna came to mind. Was she not saying anything to me because I didn't know how to talk to her? Or was there another reason? I had to sit down. Here was someone I could talk to. Someone who could understand what I'm going through. I felt like crying with relief. Do you believe in witches? Divine said she did, showing me the cauldron tattoo on the back of her left shoulder. Not like the witchcraft in movies or anything like that. Modern witches who practice real magic. Well, uh, magic belongs to the, the subtle world, which we've already established you can see. Wish I could say I've seen something more magical than Wiccan performance art. Jeez. I helped her set up her table in the corner of the patio after she said Fell would kill her if she didn't start seeing more people right away. She pulled out a henna pen and started drawing a few symbols on her hands. People expect it. When she started dishing about some of the other people at the party, people I didn't know, I asked her if she knew Carmen Silva. Oh yeah, she's bought so many things in my shop that I was able to buy this ring from Cartier. Hey, you want to talk about magic? Carmen's business was going nowhere just a couple of years ago. Now she has an empire. If she's not a witch, who is? She is, and she's not the only one. Divine's lips curled into a smile. Who else? Brooke? She and Carmen are inseparable. Yes, Brooke. It was either witch or serial killer with that bitch. <laughs> 
I cackled, so relieved to finally be able to talk shit and not get judged or analyzed after. And with somebody who wasn't fooled by the witch's fake personas. <laughs> Girl, you are serving me the tea of the decade. Spill. Who else? When she said spill, it felt like a command. Like I had been slipped some kind of truth serum. I noticed Divine had drawn a little mouth in the crook of her hand between the thumb and the first finger. When she opened and closed the hand mouth, I was compelled to speak. Mommy Megan and Belinda Beckett, I said, covering my mouth after. Eh, uh, BB, I can believe. Mommy Megan, though, that's a stretch, Divine said, moving the hand mouth again. It's true. I'm going to write a book about them. Not their magic, but how they're evil bitches instead of the angels they pretend to be. I said, standing and backing away from her. I ran back into the restaurant, a sense of dread taking over my whole body. I trusted the wrong person. My big mouth is why the coven wanted me out of town, and now I fully expect them to really come after me. Fuck. I quit. Sylvania. Those are the most empowering words I've ever spoken in my life. Sylvania thought I'd return to Manhattan with my tail between my legs to take the worst assignments she could give me while I was on so-called probation. No, madame. <laughs> Here I am, a week later, ready to follow my passion. Sabine and Dad took it well, really well. I didn't want them to hear the news from someone else. I positioned it to my father as striking out on my own to build a competitive enterprise. He liked that. Why should our family name be used to line someone else's pocket? Sabine took her cue from him, though she couldn't resist saying that she hoped I would have more time now to find a decent man to marry and give her grandchildren. She said it in French, so it would sound nicer than it was. I'm devoting my first series to finding Jenna. Listening to the playback of the first episode, I'm not crazy about how high my voice is, especially in comparison to Jenna's creamy alto. So I try again. Hey everyone, this is Elise Edgerton here. Welcome to the first edition of my new podcast, T-SIP. You were just listening to the voice of aspiring nonfiction writer, Jenna Clayton. Police haven't taken Jenna's disappearance seriously. They say that Jenna's public outbursts in August, we'll address those outbursts in subsequent episodes, have led them to believe that Jenna may have left town out of sheer embarrassment and that she's not missing at all. I don't believe that, and after I show you all the evidence I have, you won't either. Mm, yeah, that's not good. I'm going to have to rewrite that intro. Note to self, get a lawyer to see if I can actually play Jenna's private recordings on the air without her permission. Fast forward. In the recordings, it seems like Jenna was planning to do an expose on the four grand dames of Westchester High Society. Influencers Brooke Gates, Mommy Megan, Carmen Silva, and Belinda Beckett have millions of followers between them. Their lives have always seemed so perfect. They come across as people you'd want to hang out with. But the reality is, 
that they couldn't care less about social media commoners like us. Jenna set out to prove just how phony these women are and how they take away from society, making the rest of us dissatisfied with our own lives. A worthy cause, don't you think? I think so. Was Jenna's expose enough of a motive for the women to have made her disappear? Maybe. Surely shattering their public images would hurt their businesses. Jenna was going to hit hard. I haven't gotten through all of Jenna's recordings yet, but over the next few days, I will. I am also cross-referencing social media and blog posts about the various run-ins Jenna had with Brooke, Mommy Megan, Carmen, and Bibi. And if any of those ladies are listening, it's too late to start deleting posts and DMs. Screenshots have already been taken. That's decent but it probably won't make the cut either. Maybe a better microphone will help. Maybe a real studio versus this makeshift home studio. Ugh. I don't want to squander my father's investment in my company, but if I don't start right, is it worth starting at all? My ultimate hope is that Jenna surfaces before I finish this special series. Honestly, I want a happy ending. I want Victor to be happy. I want Jenna to set the record straight on what Brooke, Megan, Carmen, and Bibi are really like behind their public images. Hmm. It's not a strong finish. But it is a dangerous one. No risk, no reward. If I'm smart about exposing these witches like Jenna wanted to, I could make a name for myself. I wonder how Victor is doing in that house all by himself. The witches seem to be leaving him alone since Jenna disappeared. Maybe that's why she left. I left to save my own ass. But I will repent for my cowardice with this new podcast. Yes. Victor will be so surprised when he hears it, but I, I think he'll be supportive. When I left, our friendship was back on solid ground, I think. He thinks someone put something in my drink at the auction, so... <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. I need to send Victor a thank you gift for letting me stay in his home and for dropping me off at the train station. I almost text him to tell him what a sweetheart he is, but I resist. I need to focus on real opportunities for love here in Manhattan. Victor is in love with Jenna. I'm pretty sure of that. And look at that coincidence. A text from Thomas Martin confirming our date in a few hours. Well, he's no Victor, but I gotta start somewhere. Log, July 25th. When I heard something out back, I rushed downstairs to the porch with a bat in my hand. Victor was in town getting some bagels and he wouldn't have been back by then. I had been on edge about the witch bitches ever since I opened my mouth to divine. I prayed they hadn't vandalized the house or anything. I was relieved for a second when I saw everything in place, nothing wrong with the paint. For a second. Then I saw a little coffin laying in the grass right by the porch steps. It was painted black, three or four inches long. If these had been regular assholes, I would have put it on a charm bracelet. These witch bitches were threatening my life. I stared at it and cried for like 10 minutes. I wanted to call Victor, but what was I gonna say? I had to woman up. I held my breath as I picked the coffin up. 
but the top came off and a little rag doll with my name pinned on it spilled out. The doll had black wax and some kind of powder on it. I ugly sobbed as I ripped my name off the doll. Some of the powder got on my clothes. I scooped it all up and ran around to the backyard. I dumped the gardening tools out of the metal wash tub back there and threw the doll and the coffin in it. I fumbled for a lighter on the barbecue and set it all on fire. All of it. I burned the clothes too. I stood there naked, watching the flames eat everything up. The paper with my name on it curled in the heat and on the back, I saw there was a curse directed towards me and my book. The curse was that neither I nor the recordings would amount to anything. When Victor came back home, he was not happy about me burning the coffin and doll in the metal wash tub. He said I could have burned the whole house down. I couldn't have. Victor, they're witches. Believe me or not, I don't care. They're witches and I'm tired. It was true. I had zero fucks to give anymore. He didn't believe me. I reminded him that he has big memory gaps. He said that was because he's been smoking too much weed. Listen to me. I have been doing everything in my power to protect you. I just don't have a lot of power. Victor put his hand over his heart. Ah, <sighs> babe, you are the most powerful woman I know. He thought I was out of my gourd, but he was touched at the same time. Maybe if we separate, these witch bitches will leave you alone. No, babe. We're stronger together. He really has no clue what's going on. And how would he? He never had to develop a sense of danger. He has no natural predators. He pulled me into his arms. I didn't know if he would be better off if I stayed here or if I went. The witches were really escalating their offense, and there's four of them against one of me. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Notice to cease and desist podcast featuring Jenna Clayton. Dear Elise Edgerton, This letter is served due to your development of a podcast series about the alleged disappearance of Jenna Clayton. If you do not cease the development of said podcast, a lawsuit will be filed against you. We are also prepared to seek a temporary restraining order against you and any accomplices in this matter. While we hope this recourse will not be necessary, we have our own interests to protect and will do so vigorously. You will not receive another warning, the letter read. At least the part I had a heart to read. It came from a law firm representing Victor and Jenna's mother. I couldn't put my father in legal jeopardy as partner in my new company, and I couldn't just give up on my new direction in life. Now that I'm standing on Victor's porch in Bedford, I'm starting to regret my passionate impulsivity. I could have sent him an email, you know? I should go back to Manhattan. No, Elise, stand your ground. What are you doing here, Elise? Channel Jenna. Channel Jenna. What in the actual fuck, Victor? I slap the cease and desist letter into his chest and push my way into the house. I feel like the heroine in a movie. And then I hear Jenna's voice. And my heart stops. Did she come back? Oh no. I mean, yay! But shit. Victor walks into the kitchen, and Jenna stops mid-sentence. Thank God. He says he's been listening to her recordings for the last few days. After I sent him the first episode of T-Sip, I can see dark circles under his baby blues, and I just want to hug him. I'm so sorry, Victor. I'm not exactly sure why. He sits down and puts his head in his hands. She just sounds so out there, you know? I can't let her mother hear these. I can't let anybody hear these. I'm going to find her and get her some help. Oh, he still loves her. When Brooke and those guys came over, I didn't leave to get hot sauce. I was there the whole time. We had a nice brunch, I remember. I believe you, Victor. And because it's a pet peeve, I add, and they're women, not guys. Brooke and the other women. If you go look at the metal wash tub, it looks brand new. Nothing was burned back there. 
She said they were witches, but I didn't think she was serious. And all this about a colonial version of herself? She sounds completely out of her mind. I didn't think I was so oblivious that I wouldn't notice my girlfriend having a full-on nervous breakdown. What if she's doing a Blair Witch type thing? What if, what if she's crossing over into fiction and she's building a story around her story? No, she would have let me in on something like that. But I can tell he's thinking whether it might be true. I can't tell him that I believe in witches now, too. He's been devastated enough today. Log, July 25th. I went to the 13th house. I peeked inside first to see if Divine was there. It was just the clerk. I went in quickly to look at some spell books. I had gone to the library and there was nothing. I picked up a hefty book with 5,000 spells in it. It was an encyclopedia of magic from around the world. While I looked through the book, Divine snuck up on me. I dropped the book on my foot when she said, You should really be more careful. Words can definitely hurt you when they gang up in a heavy book. I noticed the unpainted small coffins newly on display. This bitch sold the other bitches the coffin for their spell against me. Divine chuckled when she followed my eyes. The only curse I could remember in the moment was the one Celie says to Mr. in the movie version of The Color Purple. I curse you, and until you do right by me, everything you even think about is going to crumble. Both Divine and the clerk laughed until they were short of breath and holding their sides. At first, I felt humiliated. But then... I saw that they couldn't stop laughing. The clerk couldn't catch her breath and started to turn blue. Divine eked out a please. Terrified by how far I'd gone, I screamed, my curse is broken, I take it back. My curse is broken, I take it back. Divine held up a finger, one. They still couldn't breathe. Divine gasped again and said, again. I remember. Three is a magic number. My curse is broken, I take it back. When I heard them sucking air into their lungs, like a drowned person who just got out of the water, I ran out of the store without the book. It was clear I didn't need it. My intuition kicked in and gave me what I needed. I just had to figure out how to control my terrifying new power with intention. When I approached the house, I saw Victor standing on the porch. I thought he'd somehow heard about what happened at the metaphysical shop. He looked so pale in the moonlight. The closer I got, though, the more I realized it wasn't Victor. It was Great Uncle Felix, looking just like he did in the painting inside. You're listening to If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It, starring Gabri Sidibe. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hi, listeners. This is Mary from the Realm team. We brought you the show you've been listening to right now and wanted to tell you about another show we think is right up your alley. But rather than me tell you about it, I'm going to let Mackenzie tell you herself. 
Welcome to Dead Air. In the weeks to come, I'll be telling you all about the sordid tale of the murder of Margaret Heather Graham, known as Peg to her friends, and the bizarre twists and turns that led to the killer's confession. Yes, at least you don't have to worry about him showing up at your doorstep. He's in prison. Hello, this is Mackenzie. You have it wrong. What if the person who killed Peg Graham isn't in prison? Excuse me? The murder, Peg Graham. Everyone thinks they know what happened, but it doesn't add up. There's more to it. You should look deeper. Listen and subscribe to Dead Air wherever you get your podcasts. If I Go Missing, The Witches Did It is executive produced by and stars Gabri Sidibe. Written by Pia Wilson and produced by Rhoda Bayessa and Haley Wagreich. Associate produced by Michael Coulter and executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Gabri Sidibe, Sarah Natacheni, Aaron Landon, Lena Klingeman, Tony D, Alba Ponce de Leon, Tiana Camacho, Jordan Belsky, Eli Gonzalez, and Andrew Lee. Directed by Kaylin West and Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design by Fred Greenhalge and Carter Wogan of Dagaz Media. Audio engineered by Corey Barton. Original theme music by Hashem Asadolahi. Cover art by Kendall Thomas with original illustration by Rochelle Baker. 